The gold rush of managed services is quickly coming to an end. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see a consolidation and culling of managed service providers across the board. That's a direct quote from Tim Conkle, the CEO of the 20, the MSP consortium. To put a finer point on it, there are more than 40,000 MSPs in the U.S. alone. The ones that are going to survive and thrive are those that will take advantage of the massive and growing to the tune of $80 billion cybersecurity and compliance opportunity. That's where Aptiga comes in. Aptiga is the end-to-end GRC platform that security-focused IT providers use to build and manage world-class cybersecurity and compliance programs for their clients simply, quickly, and affordably. It's trusted by hundreds of MSPs and MSSPs who are growing lucrative security practices, creating stickier customer relationships, and winning more business from competitors. For more, visit aptiga.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-G-A.com. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the De-Risking Business Podcast presented by Aptiga. This is the conversation series where we talk to MSPs, security-focused IT providers, and cybersecurity experts uh, about how they're solving challenges that are common to all of us. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Hilson, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Aptiga partner and president of Illum, Garrett Brown. Illum was founded by Garrett and his colleague, Todd Mitchell, about five years ago, and the company's been focused on providing businesses, primarily small and and medium-sized critical cybersecurity services and support. Uh, and for a lot of these customers, really help them, helping them kind of establish the foundational practices and putting in the tech stack that's going to scale their business. Uh, it's going to scale as their businesses mature. So, um, Garrett, we really appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot. Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Robert. I look forward to the conversation. Same here. So our, our conversation today is it's geared around how organizations can kind of take those initial steps to put a cybersecurity compliance program in place. Um, as well as some of the obstacles that they should expect uh, to face along that journey and how, you know, how organizations like yours can help them through those challenges. Before we get into it, just tell us a little bit more about Illum and your customers and kind of where you focus. Sure, yeah. Um, so we started Illum a little over four years ago. Um, I've been running an MSP uh, for, for about 20 years at this point. We were trying to really get into the cyber side of things for our clients to help prepare them and help them get uh, in a position where they could, you know, be effectively protecting themselves. And, you know, we just felt like that there was just this conflict between uh, resources and priorities um, from being on the sort of IT support side of things and the cyber side of things. And despite our best intentions and our best knowledge and our best experience, you know, from a MSP IT support side, those th- those those sort of side of things were really focused on keeping things productive, keeping things organized, um, and so we really felt like we needed a dedicated team focused on you know making things secure and helping our clients understand those priorities. So we started that uh, you know a little over four years ago, and we've just been really working uh, sort of to develop um, our our practice and our knowledge and our understandings um, and the technologies we use in that time. And, um, you know, the course of those years, I mean, the last year has been enormous for us in terms of growth and just, just uh, you know, establishing these relationships with these clients and really building that practice. That's awesome. Congratulations. And of course, Aptiga has been like a piece of that for the last few years. And it's been a really great, you know, um, sort of framework to, 
to a framework, security framework, but a great framework to really build the business and build that practice around. That's awesome. Good to hear. And thanks for the kind words. Um, so maybe let's uh, let's start on something you just commented on. Like when you think about those first steps in building a compliance program and putting kind of the foundational cybersecurity practices in place, like where do you see particularly small businesses struggle most often? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, we primarily work with small and medium-sized businesses. And I think what's interesting about a small and medium business and startup businesses is their sort of uh, dynamic, flexible nature. I mean, you know, they're working with limited resources. People are wearing a million hats. They're doing lots of different things. And so that makes for an incredibly dynamic, creative environment, um, people getting things done. Um, but, um, you know, when, when you try and work in security into that environment, um, it, especially if it hasn't been there from the beginning, um, it, it poses a lot of challenges for this team. It can feel very restrictive, limiting, you know, very uh, rigid, um, you know. So uh, even just simple things of like knowing who's responsible for which systems, who sets up accounts and uh, different uh, and which systems are even in use. A lot of times there's such dynamic stuff going on that not everybody even knows all the systems, even if it's a very small team. And so I think what's interesting about small small groups like this is that um, even though they're small, there's just so much information, there's so much going on. So it's just basic stuff really, usually at the beginning with them. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, when you've got a more mature organization with a lot of pro process and policy, putting these kind of disciplines in places can be a lot easier as opposed to necessarily in smaller settings. So, so you're working with these organizations that are, you know, they're resource constrained. They probably don't have one single owner for a lot of these things. They, you have tribal knowledge. You have shadow technology. Um, how does that impact your approach to... I guess first kind of doing the initial assessment and kind of getting the, the lay of the land to kind of know what you're, what you're tackling. You know, one of the things we do is we really get involved in the clients. Um, and so that can mean just building relationships, understanding who the players are, what, where the buy-in is, what are the driving forces between these efforts? Um, you know, is this being driven by the business owner or the, the investors? Um, is this being driven by a business need, perhaps, you know, they're trying to land certain contracts with certain requirements or, you know, maybe their business is in some level of cyber and they need to demonstrate some credibility in those areas. So we really work to like learn about those clients. I mean, I've been doing this work for 20 years and um, it's all about building those relationships and understanding. Who, and so th that's where we start. Um, when we come into these situations, we try and figure out how are we going to communicate, who are the players, all those things. And, um, you know, we, we really get integrated. We, we work within their Slack uh, or their team's environment. We leverage things like Aptiga and tying it into their JIRA environment so it makes it easier for people to communicate and work with the tools that they already know how, things like that. Yeah, sure. When you're... Um... Again, when you're kind of doing that initial assessment, like, do you all have kind of a, a playbook that you kind of work within every single time? Or is it really just like you're kind of grabbing everybody you can find and like asking them, you know, questions until you kind of get, get to the heart of the problem or, or the opportunity as it might be, you know? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of these things start with a formal assessment process. And okay. so that process will drive a lot of, of the discovery. Um, 
and figuring out who's responsible for different pieces. Um, sometimes our engagements start more informally. They're asking us for a particular um, support in certain areas, or they're looking for us to fill certain gaps. Um, and then we sort of build out. And so in that case, there may not have been uh, you know, a formal assessment process. We do have sort of a structured process that we follow. We, you know, it's loosely, it's loosely based around primarily NIST CSF that we just mm -hmm. sort of organize. But um, we do work with different frameworks like through CIS, ISO, kinds of things like that. But yeah, so we have, you know, it's like trying to figure out those pillars and who's there and all those different pieces of the, of the puzzle. It, it, is it ever um, your experience where like you have these kind of like, aha or like oh crap moments where it's like you feel like you have all the information but like something kind of like something wild you know uh comes up after the fact well that happens all the time you know because <laughs> you you think you've established everything you've got everything on paper you've got everything recorded everybody um says yeah every, this is everything and suddenly you know a ticket comes in or something some piece of information comes in you say Oh my God! What's this? For, what's this system? Who's in charge of this? How, like, how have we not? <laughs> how have we not? You know, and, and and that's part of the process. I mean, what the things that I really love is like, uh, you know, building that sort of culture of security, like so people like understand how to approach it. So where they're self-enforcing, and so somebody makes a request that's outside of the, you know the established process we're trying to promote and somebody else says, wait, 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 you can't do that. It does, it's not coming from us, you know? So they start sort of building that, that process internally, that's that sort of internal awareness. And so those things definitely come up. I mean, that's part of the process, right? That's security. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, constantly revisiting and monitoring these things. And um, so when they start to do it themselves, that's a real win. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, so just going back to kind of that initial assessment and thinking about like, kind of how you're selecting a framework and then maybe kind of layering on kind of the, the broader cybersecurity strategy and the, and the tools kind of onto that. Um, obviously, you know, there are things like if I want to go after DOD contracts, for instance, I need to be, you know, CMMC compliant. Like there's some things that you need. Other times it might be kind of a, a little bit more ambiguous, I'm guessing. So like, how do you, how do you, when it's, when it's not totally clear, how do you actually select the framework? And I guess it, like, is that, is that also kind of like where you, where you start? Is that like a natural jumping off point? You know, that's part of the process of understanding what's driving the process. So mm -hmm. is this, is this coming from a business leader who just wants to make sure everything's secure? That's, you know, not usually, <laughs> it's not usually <laughs> where things start. Um, you know, in some Why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're just trying to, in most of these cases, they're startups, they're small companies. So they're right. just trying to meet certain criteria, you know, certain benchmarks and things. But um, sometimes it'll come from the investors. Um, so they want to make sure their investment's secure, right? So they, they're, in many cases, they may come to the table with a requirement. They might say, we want this organization to be ISO 27001. They might say, look, we've got our own standards. We want to make sure that they're meeting. Or they might even just not even have some formal framework, but ask for certain controls to be in place. Um, we have clients that um, are trying to leverage different contracts. And so those contracts might stipulate maybe SOC compliance, SOC 2 compliance. So we might be working from that. Um, and then, of course, there's certain... Um, legal requirements so that that might drive some of the decision making too. So it's really, it's really just figuring out what is the business, where are they coming from? What do they need? And, and I, I think the biggest thing is that it's like, it's a lot to 
to bite off, like, especially depending on where they're starting. So it's not like it's a done process ever. So just feeling like, okay, what can we do in the time frame we need to get this done? What are the really high priority items? And, and what do we need to meet the business needs in the time frame we need to do it and setting like reasonable expectations? You know? That's a really good way to think about it. Um, in, in terms of like the, the client side, where do you feel like they are most often resource constrained? Like what's kind of the biggest lift for them? Nobody has, ever has time for this. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's really where we come in. Um, so we're, when we engage with a client, we set up a schedule, we set up times, we make people, we don't make them, but we sort of ask them to commit to those times. And um, it's it's really just the discipline of it all. Um, yeah. And I, it's really just project management when it comes down to it. Um, so I think that's, I mean, that's the hardest part. It's hard for us. It's hard for a client who's trying to accomplish some other outcome that's not security related, you know, <laughs> finish a product. I mean, those pressures are really real. I, I mean, we have a client who suffered prior to us getting engaged with them, suffered a, you know, a big incident and, you know, they had to go through all the remediation and stuff. And, and so, you know, you would think that that fresh, that fresh experience, the injury, the pain would be driving a lot of their decisions. But in fact, they signed up a big contract with Microsoft and, you know, that really, they wanted to make sure that they, the leadership wanted to make sure that they benefited from, from, you know, from the investment. And so their priorities were really on that. And, you know, I really wanted to help them understand that, you know, putting this in the context of this program will help them prioritize like what those things that they need to do um, to take advantage of there. So, I mean, the pressure, pressure, the business pressures are real and they don't always align with the cyber security kind of concepts, <laughs> ideas. Yeah, I mean, well, well, but, well, but so like when you're kind of setting expectations up front about, you know, what, what you're committing to and what, what you kind of expect the client to commit to, um, what are the things that you kind of lay out for them that you would say are kind of essential resources? Like we need to be able to do these things to be successful. And like, this is what I expect of you. Um, yeah. I mean, so we always set up a regular schedule. Um, and so that schedule is going to establish the cadence. Sometimes we have to adjust that over time, but um, the other thing we want to try and figure out is what are the deliverables in terms of, you know, when do certain things need to be in place for contracts, for other commitments, and we'll always work backwards. Um, I think, you know, we try and do regular reporting. Hopefully that, hopefully when we get engaged in these, in, in these sort of arrangements that there's, there's support from the top. And so one of the things we do is regular reporting, weekly status reports, things like that to bring people in the loop. Um, you know, I don't, we don't set a lot of, you know, the goals are set by the client um, and we're just trying to help them work backwards and we're trying to help them figure out, okay, how do we get there from here? And I think sometimes um, the pressures of business push these priorities to the side. And I think that's okay as long as that there's an understanding. So it's just really open communication adjustment. It's, it, again, it's really just this project management. Times move, that's totally normal. Um, and things happen. But as long as we're on that 
we're on that, we're in an agreement as what we, where we have to be when, and we're in this road of constant improvement, you know, then, then I think everybody can be on the same page, but it is just, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're like, like compliance is like a, a cultural thing. Like you have to be kind of bought into this. Um, and, you know, we, we talked to a lot of organizations where there's kind of this, you know, they, they think of compliance as kind of a one-off project. It's like you check the box, then you kind of move on to the next thing. Like, how do you, what are you doing to get your clients and prospective clients kind of out of that mindset? Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's like a lead by example kind of, kind of thing. It's hard to sort of, uh, I mean, we talk about it, but it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, one of the things that comes up is like, when, uh, for example, people don't don't follow the program we're putting in place, they make a mistake. Um, you know, um, somebody didn't follow protocol, and you know there was a lapse. You know, and there's often this sort of knee jerk reaction for sort of a punitive response, especially from leadership. Oh, we should, or if there's a vendor who didn't do what they were supposed to, we should, you know, we should hold them to account for that. And I, and I, I mean, I, I understand holding people to account for their, for their responsibilities, but the problem with security is there's always mistakes. So we want people to be able to at least recognize when they've made a mistake and be honest about it. Because if you demonstrate that you're just going to punish everybody for every mistake, what happens is people pull back, they cover up, they don't, they're not honest, they don't report. So I think that's a pretty common thing. Um, and so that's that's part of that culture of security. It's like, well, we need people to be honest and we need people to report and we need people to be forth, forthcoming about this stuff. And and I think that's one of the pieces that I think is pretty common that we sort of demonstrates that culture change. You know, we're not we're not um, we're not doing um, employee reviews. We're not we're not talking about performance reviews. Right. This is not our objective. We really just want to make sure that the outcome is a secure environment and that we're making good decisions along the way. And that's got to be the focus, you know? Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, you, you mentioned, I mean, you've talked about it during this conversation, but it, but in prepping for this, I mean, a, a lot of what you're saying is like a, a lot of your job is essentially like relationship building, right? Right. Um, what is that? I mean, you, you've talked about this already, but like, what does that kind of look like? in practice? I mean, obviously like you're, you know, you're an easy guy to talk to, like you have this like easygoing demeanor, but like, what, what is that? What are you doing specifically to like build that trust as a relationship matures? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I hadn't thought much about it. I think, um, just being available, um, integrating with them. Um, but speaking honestly, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, you know, sometimes things get heated, you know, people feel like we're not achieving the outcomes they expected. Um, or like maybe there's an audit going on and, and um, you know, there's going to be findings or something like that. Um, and it, or just like high pressure, maybe there's a customer audit or something, you know, and just being able to be calm and honest about it. I think that's really I, I don't know. I think it's just that process of just being available, not being defensive, like aligning yourself with them as a team, as a team member. We're all working towards the same thing and, and recognizing like that this is not, um, it's not a 
a fail or a win situation. It's just like a way of, of working. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to follow these rules. We're going to follow this process. And over time, if we consistently do those things, we're, we're going to get there, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't really answer your question very well. Uh, you, you totally did. And I like what you said before, too, about like, I mean, you didn't use exactly these words, but like having a culture of like more carrots than sticks and, and creating a, an environment where like, people aren't afraid to make mistakes because, you know, there are mistakes inherent involved in security. And like, if, if you're not, um, if you're not kind of like seizing up and like, I gotta be perfect. And you, you like that, that, you know, people generally do their best work and they're, they're more kind of um, willing to trust, I think in, in an environment like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keeping focus on what we're doing here, like we're not, we're not running an HR department we're not running a programming department, right. We're not, you know, development part, you know, we're not here necessarily to worry about the quality or the outcome of the product. Like for us, it's really just making sure it's secure and we have to focus on that piece of it. Um, and so that is hard to separate because yeah, I mean, I, in the process of making sure people are following the rules and the procedures and the process, they may not be doing a good job at their job, but that's not really <laughs> important. Right. I mean, I mean, it is, but, for the purposes of what we need to get done here, it's just important to sort of silo those things and make sure that at least they're being honest and being forthright and doing the best they can and, you know, that we have to manage that. But Yeah, well, well put. Um, we haven't really talked at all about um, t technology selection and, and selecting like specific security products that kind of map back to, um, you know, challenges you're trying to address, framework controls, all that stuff. How do you like what does that process look like for you all? Um, it's really hard because the stuff is changing all the time. I mean, I was reading about Wiz and like just looking at the trajectory of the company. And I mean, the pace of change of these companies and new products on the market, it's like, it's nearly impossible. I, I think, um, for us, we really try and look at market leaders. We evaluate them, we work with them, and then we understand that we're going to try and choose the best product we can, but more importantly, we're going to make sure it's utilized and, you know, used to the best of its effectiveness to fill the gaps we need. So I think we've got a great EDR product, but is it, is it the best? I'm not, I don't know exactly, but I think it's very, very good. And I think the way we've um, made sure that it's set up and implemented and we ensure that it's, fully deployed, you know, um, and monitored, those things are going to, are, are what's most important in the end. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it's great. Like Aptiga, we could bring Aptiga to a client, but if they're not going to take the time, um, to put in the evidence and keep track of things, like it's not really doing them any good. Right. It, maybe it checks, it checks a, a box. Maybe we're doing vendor management through it, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, I think I think um, I think it's really about establishing good products and 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 good implementation. You know, awesome. Um, last question I'll ask you is more around kind of how you think about differentiating your own business. I mean, obviously, like you're in a very competitive space. Like there are a lot of um, security providers out there, a lot of like IT folk or security focused IT providers out there. Um, yeah. When you think about like what separates a loom from everybody else? And a lot of it is probably just, you know, what, what we've been talking about. Um, how, how do you kind of think about your positioning relative to the rest of the market? 
I, I don't know. I, I guess, um, you know, it's such a new industry and it's changing a lot. And while we've been doing this, you know, for four plus years, just about five years, um, you know, that, that identity, it's a bit of an identity crisis. It's like constantly moving. I think, you know, we're trying to figure out where we provide most value to customers um, and capitalize on that. And I think um, for us right now, it's really, we're small. We work with small and medium businesses. We really bring our knowledge and our, our sort of investment in them uh, to our clients. Um, it's really practical execution. I mean, we come into situations where they've had other partners, they've had end user cybersecurity awareness training, and you know they suffer a breach and you start talking to them, it's like, well, yeah, they were sending out the training, but nobody was actually making sure that people were participating in this and benefiting from the services. So you know, we really make sure that anything we bring to the table are fully uh, engaged and fully executed. Like that's, if we start to, you know, if there's a situation where it's really not happening for a client, you know, that's a point where we really have to sit down with them and be like, you know, you are paying for this service, but you're not really benefiting from it. And we need to talk about that. Um, Cause we don't, we don't really want to be part of that situation. You know, if we want, we really feel strongly about what we're doing, you know? And so I think just that personal investment and involvement is really what probably differentiates us, I think, but. I mean, that, that comes through just like even having conversations like this. Um, so we, we really appreciate you doing this. We're really uh, proud to have you all as a partner. It's great to work with you. Um, and, you know, you, you said like we, we lead by example, like you, you all definitely do that. Um, so we, <laughs> we appreciate it. We appreciate your time here. Oh, thanks, Robert. Actually, it's it's been a great partnership with Aptiga and, um, you know, really looking forward to get working with you guys. And I know you guys are swinging by in September to do a presentation with us. So looking forward to that. So, Don't thanks. Worry. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Robert.